Hi, this is Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried, the podcast where I interview single Christians about their lives and faith. Hey, hey, welcome to the first episode of Season 4. We're going to kick things off with my friend Caroline Mayer. Caroline is a New York City-based interior designer focused in the hospitality industry. She recently received a degree in interior design after making a career switch a few years ago. Previously, she worked for a PR agency in Boston. So in this episode, Caroline shares about her creative journey and how she overcomes perfectionism, comparison, and burnout. Her story is super relatable, and she has some really great insights as to how to overcome those three things that are very common in the creative world. And you're also going to hear about her decision to go back to school to pursue a more visually creative work, interior design. So without further ado, here's our convo. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Mary B. Welcome. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, it's so exciting. Um, fun fact for the listeners of this episode, Caroline and I are birthday twins. We were born the same day, month, and year. So that was a fun thing that we learned shortly into our friendship. Um, why don't you tell everyone where you are uh, calling in from? Yeah, sure. Um, I am currently in Connecticut um, with family. I retreated to Connecticut pretty shortly after the shutdown started um, with Mm -hmm. this whole pandemic, but I usually live in Manhattan on the Upper East Side. It's been so crazy living at home, basically. Yeah. Well, hopefully you'll be able to come back soon and resume semi- semi-normal life. We'll see how things are moving forward. But um, you've been able to continue working throughout all of this, which is kind of cool considering you are an interior designer, but you work uh, specifically in hospitality with hotels, etc. So that's kind of cool and surprising, I would think. Yeah, it's actually been pretty nice. Um, I mean, we require, I, I feel like I require a lot of um, equipment and um, uh, bandwidth with our Mm -hmm. computer programs that we use. But thankfully, I have a pretty good setup here. And we've been able to work from home pretty successfully. So that's been nice. So you are an interior designer, which is different from an interior decorator. So just in case there are those listening who are confused by that, can you give a little bit of context? What is the difference between the two? Yeah, so Interior decorating is a lot more of what we see immediately, which is like, for example, in your home, the the fabrics and pillows and wall paint and uh, window treatments, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of what you see on HGTV actually is interior decorating. Mm-hmm. But interior design, I like to explain it to people as like more interior architecture. Hmm. It's a lot of space planning and creating programs within a space that help it function specifically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can do a lot with creating walls, knocking down walls, creating built-in type features, all different kinds of things. Uh, It's a different 
It's a little different. I mean, uh, decorating is a part of it. Um, we do have stages where we have to, you know, we pick out furniture, we do pick out fabrics and, you know, different type of decorative things. Um, cause that is mm-hmm. part of it, but it, it is a lot more than just the decorating. So that's what you do now, but you actually started in PR. Can you kind of walk me through the shift and kind of the decision and the process of moving from one to the other? Yeah. So um, I studied business administration and communications in my undergrad. And shortly after I graduated, I got a job in public relations. I worked for an agency. Um, And what that means, it's just you have multiple clients in multiple industries instead of, you know, working for um, a PR department in in house at a at a company like like Google or Facebook or something. Um, mm-hmm. and so when I was in college, I, I really wanted to do marketing. Um, I thought I wanted to do advertising actually, and then somehow ended up in PR, which they do work in tandem together. And so a lot of the work I did kind of overlapped into, into marketing, but I, so I did that for about three and a half years, almost four years and just felt really dissatisfied in the work I was doing. I kind of had this like quarter life crisis (laughs) about (laughs) what I was doing and where I wanted to go. And I had thought a lot about interior design. There was someone I followed, I read her blog a lot and I just like really liked what she was doing. And I, I've always been creative and felt like that visual creativity wasn't being met in my PR Mm. uh, career. So I, one year, um, you know, my friends, the friends I was living with, one was getting married, um, our lease was up. And so I wanted to, you know, make a big change. I felt ready for something new and actually was really debating going to interior design school or um, moving to Nashville, which is so random. But I <laughs> I was like, I'd only visited there twice. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and mm-hmm. so it was really just like praying, 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 like, God, just give me direction. What should I do? And I ultimately made the decision to go to interior design school. Um, so mm-hmm. that was in 2016 is when I started school. And um, when you were doing PR, you were not in the city. I was, the, yeah, sorry. The New York City. Right, yeah. Okay, good question. <laughs> sorry. And, um, I was actually in Boston. Um, okay. So I went to school up in Boston and stayed there. A few of my friends stayed there as well. So just kind of ended up in Boston for work and just, yeah, wanted something new. And I'm from Connecticut, so I'm pretty familiar with New York. I had friends Mm -hmm. there already. So that transition didn't feel as intimidating as moving to Nashville, where I only knew like one other person there. Um, Mm -hmm. It felt like I was already entering into a community moving to New York. So that's why I made that decision. Yeah, I can imagine that though you were like coming into a community, I'm sure that helped in a lot of ways, but there was still a huge amount of transition in going from school to working and then going back to school. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like, the process of switching back after having been kind of in the workforce for a while? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, that was probably 
the hardest transition I've ever experienced. You know, when you work full time, depending on the industry, you know, you're making money, you have your nights and weekends. Mm -hmm. There's, depending on what you're doing, there's a lot of balance. And when I went to school for interior design, um, you know, I was moving to a new city. I Mm -hmm. went to school full time. So I wasn't working. I was living off of my savings. Mm -hmm. I was doing school constantly. I didn't feel like I had, I got to know the city as, as a resident. I mean, I visited a lot as a kid and, but actually enjoying the city for what it is. And from the perspective of someone who lives there, I didn't get to experience that when I first moved there. Um, Mm -hmm. My, the workload I took on was very heavy. And so I was constantly at school into the middle of the night working on my projects. Mm -hmm. Um, I deal with anxiety. So that did not help my anxiety at all because I felt like Mm -hmm. I was trapped in this life of just going to school and going home. And there wasn't room for social activities. I didn't go to church that much. I wasn't able to form new communities in my church either. Mm -hmm. So I felt like certain buckets were really empty and I was just producing, producing, producing in school. And I wasn't really being fed in all these different areas. So that was pretty difficult. But also um, for those who, who know anything about design school or even like, I guess the creative fields, no matter what it is, it's the work you produce feels like an extension of yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when you feel like your work isn't good or your teachers and peers maybe critique it in a certain way, it really, um, it, it affects you, you know, it, Mm -hmm. it affects how you feel about your identity and how you feel about yourself. And so when I was in school, in design school, we do these things called critiques. So anytime we do a project, we'll sometimes have ju- what we call jurors from other other professors or people in the industry come and basically critique your work. So that was really hard for me to, mm-hmm. you know, put my whole energy and self into these projects and then feeling like... Um, I wasn't getting good feedback or I really wasn't liking what I was producing. I mean, other people could, could, would say, you know, oh, that looks good. But like, I didn't feel satisfied with what I was creating. And I'm very much a perfectionist, um, which is something I also struggle with in this design field, because again, like feeling like the, what you produce is an extension of yourself. And so design school felt very, um, it was very competitive and it was really easy to compare yourself to other students. And it was just an environment I wasn't used to just, it was a new muscle. I was exercising this new way of thinking creatively in a, in Mm -hmm. a new way that I hadn't before. And so it was just like a lot of all at once. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it, it just made for a really difficult decision that first semester of design school. Yeah. And I can imagine that maybe some of the people you were studying with were younger than you 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, the program I started in actually did have a lot of people that were transitioning from another career, which was really nice. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So that was good to have peers that were kind of in the same boat. There were a lot of people that already had artistic backgrounds, like they studied sculpture in in school, Mm -hmm. in their undergrad or these other art fields, which I didn't. So I felt behind a little bit. I I felt behind in this process, Mm. this design process that was happening. Um, It didn't mean I couldn't do it. It it just felt like, um, again, like a muscle I needed to exercise and a process I needed Mm. to learn how to do to create good work. And I think the emotional and mental processing of that was really exhausting for me because Mm. it was just a lot all at once. Yeah, I can imagine. You spoke about how easy it is in in that environment, how easy it was in that environment for you to compare yourself to everyone else, especially like if people had different backgrounds from you and, you know, just not feeling like totally satisfied with what you were producing because you were a beginner. There's just a lot kind of wrapped up in there. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, on the outside, you know, my talking to my parents and stuff, they were like, well, just quit after this semester, go back to PR and you know, that wasn't mm-hmm. something I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to continue design because I loved it so much. And just being able to push past that first semester and continue with it was was good for me because now, you know, I'm working for a design firm and I really enjoy it, really enjoy the day-to-day and the work. So yeah, I'm glad I pushed through and didn't give up. Do you feel like you had maybe some tools or practices that kind of helped you when you were getting into that kind of overwhelmed place of like comparison and um, not feeling satisfied with what you're doing and people telling you maybe you should give up. Um, Do you have, do you remember kind of specific things you would do or specific things you would think about or, um, you know, maybe like faith practices that you would do to kind of work through some of those questions and doubts? Yeah. So I think, in that moment, in that semester, I don't think I did a very good job of seeking out peace and finding ways to to combat the self-doubt. But I mean, it definitely taught me that, that that was something I needed to do. And I think after is where I really discovered like how, how to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it practically, I mean, aside from faith, but I think there are ways to just fill your creative bucket without like, you feel like you have to, because you're producing so much, sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels like that creative juice runs dry. So I think Mm -hmm. doing different things like traveling or going to Mm -hmm. museums or looking at architecture, which are a lot of things that I enjoy, like kind of help spur the creative juices again. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, um, my friend and I would go go do sketching together, like just hand sketching um, at the museums. And like, that was just fun. It became fun again. Um, it wasn't something that I was forced to do. It just brought the joy back into that creativity. Mm-hmm. But I think on a spiritual level, yeah, like I definitely, I'm a, I'm a very expressive person and I process things out loud. So I think talking through my struggles with friends helps mm-hmm. bring it into perspective a little bit because they will share their experience or they'll just have some wisdom and counsel for me that is helpful. Um, 
I'm not much, I, I don't do a lot of journaling actually. Um, I've been doing a little now since we started quarantine, but, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> regularly I'm not, um, but just having time to reflect and process things, but also just kind of lots of prayer and reading the Bible. I know that sounds easier said than done, but like, mm-hmm. I think just trying to find some wisdom, um, whether it be from other people who are also in the creative field and feel similarly, or just kind of reminding myself of God's truth and that, you know, my value and identity are in him and not in the work that I do or in the way the world sees me. You know, finding the joy again in the creative process. Um, It can be, as you said, very draining, and it's easy to kind of get sucked into that kind of grading comparison performance mentality um, and forget or lose track of the joy part of it. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, my my experience was um, more of a pushing through than being able to take a step back like you've um, kind of learned to be able to do. Um, take a step back and and reconnect with things that give you energy, um, creative energy versus like my approach is generally I'm just going to push through and muscle through and like it's going to be fine. And that's not, <laughs> it's neither effective nor fun. <laughs> yeah, it almost like ends up hurting the results anyway, you know, um, mm. when you're not, your full self or yeah, your full creative self, um, like pushing through is kind of like forcing yourself to, to be that full self when you're not. Um, and so the results reflect that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like, like going to museums or whatever, do you consider that rest or is that part of your work? Um, and if you don't consider it rest, how do you experience and make space for rest? Um, I think, it depends. It's really, um, you know, I'd like to say that I find rest in that in pursuing creativity, but sometimes Mm. there is a little bit of pressure where I feel Mm -hmm. like I need those creative juices to flow. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a mindset thing when I do pursue those different activities, you know, Mm -hmm. where is my heart in that moment? Am I doing it for myself and for rest or am I doing it for for ultimately for my performance for you know to to gain new creative ideas so that I can perform better so mm-hmm. yeah like sometimes it can feel like homework but mm-hmm. I try to not let it be just um, let it be something that I find joy in but um other forms of rest, honestly, for me, um, when I'm in New York City, I live fairly close to Central Park. So mm-hmm. um, like even taking walks or sitting on a bench, mm-hmm. it's it's nice to just like look at nature and God is the ultimate creative. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we're feeling we're feeling down about our creativity. We looked, we should look to him, you know, look to his creation, Mm -hmm. um, for inspiration and, and rejuvenation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what I try to do. (laughs) I mean, I have like such an achiever kind of mentality. Um, 
that I, that's part of why I asked the question, because I'm always looking for ideas <laughs> of ways to, to implement, you know, and in, incorporate rest into my day, that it's mm-hmm. not just, okay, here's this one day a week where I'm going to do the Sabbath thing. And, and that's important, obviously, but am I able to incorporate it into my day? Am I able to take a step back and take a step away from my work throughout the day, which is really, really hard for mm-hmm. me. Because I just I get so sucked in and I'm like, I have to do it. I have to finish this thing and I have to do this thing. And even when I want to take a break, I'm like, oh, but there's like uh, this other thing that I have to do. And there's this other thing. And it's just endless. And like I I wonder at the the maybe mindset shift there needs to be um, for me to be have a more regular practice of rest throughout the day. Yeah. And something that has been really, I've been meditating on a lot lately as I'm resting is just in Romans 12, it says, do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but by the renewing Mm -hmm. of the mind. And I think a lot of my perfectionism, it's just combating that is really uh, renewing my mind, reframing how I how I view my work and how I view myself to kind of like knock down those perfectionistic tendencies and, and then ultimately find rest and peace in that. You mentioned a little bit, um, you know, community and having people to kind of talk to and process through things with, I'm wondering what that kind of looks like for you. Is that like a fairly small group of people? How did you meet those people? Um, and, and, you know, are there kind of markers of trust that you have experienced with them over, you know, however long you've, you've known them? Yeah. Um, so I think there are individuals specifically, um, in different walks of life, um, Mm -hmm. that where our friendship has just gone really deep, we've been able to be vulnerable with each other. Um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, on both sides, we've been able to express ourselves and talk about the things we struggle with. And so that has created a space where I can go to them with these struggles of self-doubt and they know exactly what I'm talking about and they know what to say. It's Mm -hmm. people that I really admire for their wisdom and for their insight and also for their their faith um, because a lot of the people mainly the people that I speak to are also Christians. And so that foundation, that spiritual foundation in their counsel and wisdom is really helpful. And I really value that. Yeah. I think that's so, so important to have because there's just so much that happens inside of your head and it's such an internal process, I think, in a lot of ways um, that to have somebody to kind of pull you out of that and kind of give you that help you see that perspective. Um, a coach that I work with always says, uh, you can't read your own label. Mm. So there's this idea of like, you can't really see yourself accurately. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to have the kind of people who can reflect back on you, those different areas, areas of growth or areas of, um, where you need encouragement or, um, just to have that perspective that you know comes from a place of wisdom and deep faith um, is so important. But I think especially for, um, you know, those of us who are single specifically, um, it's something that I've like am learning more and more. You can only go so far in this creative process without having that kind of support Mm -hmm. and community. 
And that comes with time. That comes with like, you know, mutuality, knowing that, you know, the trust that you're each giving to the relationship. But I think for me, it can be challenging to put myself in the kind of vulnerable position of asking for help, Mm. to have that kind of sense of partnership, Mm. teamwork, Mm -hmm. however you want to phrase it, that, you know, it doesn't feel like there's that necessarily concern of being a burden. It's definitely getting vulnerable with people when you say, you know, I feel like I can't do this and I need help. Um, but I think with, with certain people, if you have that, um, you know, like you said, that partnership, like where you feel like when you're vulnerable with people, it kind of opens a door Mm. for them to be vulnerable with you. And that definitely deepens the, the relationship so that you do feel that freedom or that entitlement, I guess, in going to them for, for help. Um, yeah. And I feel like everyone, especially in creative fields needs at least one person to be able to just kind of pour your heart out to, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, because it's so helpful and we really can't do this on our own. Um, you know, we're called to be in community and fellowship. Mm -hmm. And so seeking wise counsel is always really powerful and helpful. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, I don't know if this resonates with you at all. There is like a sense of, I will ask for help, but I want to kind of have a handle on what I'm experiencing Mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to invite people into like the messy part of it where I don't even necessarily understand um, fully what I'm feeling and experiencing. Like, I think there is, you know, maybe a healthy amount of needing to self-process and, you know, process and, um, with yourself and with God and, and all of that. So that, I mean, that's like a healthy thing, but also I find it very challenging to put myself in a position of being seen when I don't have some sort of like retrospective insight about what I was experiencing or even the ability to explain why, um, why I am feeling whatever it is that I'm feeling. Um, putting myself in a position where I'm allowing myself to be seen when I don't have answers Mm -hmm. for even what I'm feeling and experiencing um, is a real challenge, I think, for me. Mm -hmm. No, that's so good that, um, you know, your friends can point back to those times where you were successful and you're like, yeah, I did do that. Think, you know, you, we need these people to remind us of right. who we are and, and like the things that we accomplish. Cause sometimes, at least for me, you know, I accomplish things and I'm like, okay, whatever. It's not that important. But like, you know, having your friends remind you of it and remind you of what you did is, is, is it's nice. <laughs> Do you, um, have, a practice, maybe practice is kind of too ritualistic of a word, but we're going to use it. Um, do you have a practice for celebrating your wins or celebrating like things you figure out or things you accomplish, goals that you set or anything like that? Um, <laughs> I don't really. That's a good question. Um, that's something I should probably implement that, you know, kind of relishing in the joys of like the successes. I kind of, um, I just, I'm the type of person who just likes to just continue to produce and like always strive for, mm. you know, perfectionism. So, uh, 
you know, that's something that's hard for me to kind of step back and say like, wow, I did that. Like, and I feel really good about it. Like, let's celebrate that. Hmm. But I mean, I do have friends that are like, yeah, like, let's celebrate that you graduated. Let's do something um, for that. And that's Mm -hmm. always nice. Um, It's nice to, to be reminded of it. But yeah, that's a good, Mm -hmm. that's a good question. um, And probably something I should implement. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a very consistent practice of it either. Um, (laughs) I actually um, am using a planner now called the Full Focus Planner. And it's, um, they kind of make you, they don't make you, you, LOL, it's a planner. They can't make (laughs) you do anything. Um, But they encourage you, you know, you have like a couple of pages at the beginning of each week where you can reflect on the past week and what worked, what didn't work. But the very first thing is they're like list three to five, you know, wins that you had last week. And it does kind of force me to, when I, you know, do it, um, which I think that I, I try to do it most weeks, but it does kind of force me to look back and think like, oh, I did do that thing. And I did finish that thing. And I did reach out to that person, even though I was nervous to reach out to that person. So that's something that's been helpful for me, but not something that I would have necessarily thought of on my own. Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's so easy to kind of always just be looking to the next thing mm-hmm. and not take the the kind of time to step back and and appreciate what what you were able to do and what, you know, how God was able to be glorified mm-hmm. in whatever it is that you were able to do through, you know, the gifts that he's given you and this, the opportunities that you've gotten and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a challenge probably. And, and it almost like hones in on the joy that it should be bringing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like a reminder of what, like, yeah, I, I, I want to delight in that. I want to have joy in that, in those successes Mm -hmm. and those accomplishments, no matter how big or small, uh, because God, Mm -hmm. you know, granted those. So yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, I, I totally understand. (laughs) Um, well, Caroline, we do need to wrap up, but I just have a couple more questions for you. First is where can we follow you? Um, is, do you have a website? Do you have social media? Um, sure. Um, I'm on Instagram. You can follow me at Caroline R. Mayer. Um, that's my Instagram account. Uh, I don't have a website yet. I don't know. I've been thinking about what to do about that um, to put my mm-hmm. work up, but it just, I haven't made the leap. <laughs> so one day, <laughs> hopefully. No worries. Your Instagram handle will be in the episode description so that people can follow you. And last, but certainly not least, will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great? I think they kind of speak to each other. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The hard thing I think now is just um, not being in New York City, um, not having Mm -hmm. the the life and um, the uh, energy that is New York City and not being there. Mm. Um, I know it's... um, and I kind of miss that. I miss that community and also just being able to fill my bucket of adventure, being able to explore in the city and do all those things that kind of help me to be creative and um, allow me to have fun and and also rest. I'm just not used to not, <laughs> not doing it. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
what's great about this, this quarantine, um, I've really been able to learn how to rest and reflect Mm -hmm. and just kind of pause and process things, especially with everything going on in the world right now. It's just, um, it's just a lot to take in. And I would usually consider myself as an extrovert because I I like to be Mm -hmm. around people, but, um, the quarantine has kind of forced me to be more of an introvert and I Mm -hmm. like spending time by myself and like thinking and reflecting. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so that's been really nice. Just that, that opportunity to slow down. Um, and also my, Mm -hmm. um, my brother and sister-in-law and my twin baby nephews live nearby. Um, so it's mm-hmm. been really fun to see them weekly and spend time with them and see them grow. It's just been such a joy out of this. So, yeah. Love that. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. <laughs> you can follow Caroline on Instagram at Caroline R. Mayer. If you're a single Christian creative looking for resources specific to you about making sustainable progress with your creative gifts, I got you. First, I'm excited to announce a six-week group coaching program that starts right after Labor Day. You'll get more details on that in the coming weeks. So for now, you can head over to marybesafer.com and sign up for my email list. That'll get you in on the bi-weekly message from Marbs. And when you sign up, I'll send you a copy of The Unsuitable Manifesto, Words to Bank on When Doubt Creeps In. If you're not ready to take the plunge, feel free to mosey around the blog. That's all for this week. Content editing is by Katie Hodge, sound editing by Andrew Kim, and theme music is by Chad Rollinson.